There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Uh, we uh, are drinking. We are drinking things. We are. What we are am drinking. drinking. Uh, I am. I got my wine box this quarter. Mm-hmm. I was very excited. Um, yeah. So I'm drinking uh, the Gun Bun uh, 2021 Sauvignon Blanc. Um, we're such um, Californians because you know what I'm drinking what a bottle of wine from the wine box I got from St. Francis (laughs) a 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon Ooh, a 2018 I actually just finished um a bottle of the gun button Cabernet Sauvignon um from the wine box uh two days ago it was so good it was so good. I like the old vines Zinfandel from St. Francis. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our wine cast. Uh, that is that is our favorite, but their cab, darn good, darn good cab. Yeah, I'm a I'm a cab fan for sure. When it comes to reds, um, I also like Italian reds very much. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like a Montepulciano or a Tempranillo. Mm-hmm. Nice. A, a Tempranillo is that actually Spanish? I'm not, I don't remember don't off know. the top of my head. No um, say. But I do love, I do love Sauvignon Blanc um, for whites. Very good, very crisp, very tasty. Mm-hmm. A little not, cold not right now for a Sauvignon Blanc. I was just yeah, going to say, yeah. not seasonally mm-hmm, appropriate mm-hmm, necessarily. Um, but, but if you like it, it you like it. So I'm, I'm not one of those people who are going to lock up your taste. But, you know, I feel bad. It's like they're very drinkable and I tend to drink them quickly after they arrive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're expensive. They're not cheap. <laughs> and I really should be saving them more for special occasions. But, yeah. you know, life we, is short. So the St. Francis box, you can do reds, whites, or mixed. Same. We, yeah. We switch. We always do oh. reds throughout the winter. And then in the spring, we'll call them up and be like, okay, switch us back to mix. And then we'll, that way we get some white wines during the summer. You know, I feel like I should do that because I have a backlog now of Gewürztraminer. Um, because mm-hmm. I, that's I, what was I, happening to us in the winter last yeah. year. We like, like loaded up on all this white wine. We're like, what are we going to mm-hmm. do with all this? We drank that's it. That's a good idea. I like that. It yeah. takes a lot of organizing though, with the wine club. Like you have to like, it's, it's just actually you can email switching your box. Yeah. Yeah. You can just email them and just be like, Hey, can you switch it? You just have to remember that's yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Remember it can be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cognitive load. Especially when you drink in the box, as soon as they show up, it's hard to remember. <laughs> right. All right. Well, this is not a wine podcast. This is the Sword and Laser podcast. Yet. We've really got to get an author interview on here again sometime soon. Um, I feel like a phony when I say that at the intro. Uh, oh, these we have days. plenty in the in the backlog, though. If people are dying for one, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, we should. We should. Not that we shouldn't get new ones, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're phonies. Um, That's all I'm saying. I'll have to revisit the interview request, uh, uh, Goodreads thread. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speak. You know, speaking of Goodreads, um, if you are a fan of Goodreads, there is a recent "How I Built This" episode with Guy Raz um, that features hmm. um, the founders of Goodreads. 
Um, so uh, Otis and Elizabeth Chandler. Um, and I have known Otis for many, many years, 15, 16 years. And I didn't know a ton of how, of his background and how he came to actually build Goodreads. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I was an advisor of Goodreads back in the days before they were, um, acquired by Amazon. And of course, Sword and Laser has been on Goodreads for many, many years. Um, so I just thought it was a very interesting kind of, you know, I love how I built this. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and so I was really pleasantly surprised to, to hear them on that, on that show. Nice. What, uh, uh, now we have to put it in the show notes. Uh, how, okay. Uh, I'll find it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You, uh, I'll do the quick burns intro and then, uh, I'll look for it while you read the first one. Okay. Okay. It's time for the quick burns. Pew, pew. Uh, folks, a mad, mad March has arrived every year in March. We run a tournament to determine the April book pick. And like some actual sporting tournaments, we often have to begin the March tournament in February, which is what we're doing. So it's underway. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, if you're brand new to sword and laser in March, it works like this. There are 16 books in a tournament. Uh, there is a sword group, eight books in the sword group, and there is a laser group, eight books in the laser group. Though this year, each group has one wild card book. So there's mm. seven sword, seven laser, and then one wild card in each uh, group. Uh, the wild card is something that is cross genre. Like it may be mainly fantasy, but also have sci-fi and maybe mystery, maybe horror. Uh, so, uh, Oddly, I think the one that's in the laser group, it leans fantasy and the wild card in the sword group leans laser. Uh, but they're oh, that's interesting. Uh, I actually found yeah. that the wild cards in fantasy leaned horror. No, I'm saying the one you picked seems to lean I- more. If it, mm. yours leans more horror, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But but it's it's le- it's less fantasy than than laser when you think about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because because there's mm. some science. Whereas the one I picked, it's got, they all, they both have elements of both, right? Cause they're wild card, but mine does have a more of a fantasy element. In fact, if you look at the categorizations on Goodreads, that that's kind of how it breaks down. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the, the point is there's a wild card, there's 16 books and there are right now eight polls up on Goodreads. So you can go to the poll. Each poll has two books in it. You vote for the book that you want to win the matchup between the two books. After the week is over, we take the winner of each poll and match it up against the winner of another poll. So next week we'll have four polls because there'll be one winner from each of the eight. And the week after that, there will be two polls. And then the final week, the last two remaining books go head to head. And the winner of that final poll becomes our April pick. Uh, it's all for fun, and often we use the tourney entrance to give us ideas for future picks. So even if it doesn't win the entire tournament, it might end up being read on the show anyway. And if nothing else, uh, the 16 books competing are great potential additions to your to-be-read list. Yeah, you know, it's so amazing. I always feel like it's going to take so much longer to do all the voting. And then it's like you blink and the voting's done. It goes so fast because it just, yeah. it cuts in half every single time. And so you start with all like tons and tons of books. And then all of a sudden you're on the last vote. Um, and a reminder too, that Tom and I don't vote until, unless there is a runoff at the very end. Um, Correct. so we're, we're not here. I don't even know. Tom's the only one who knows like what the standings are because he created the polls. 
So he might tell me um, if something is like looking interesting, but I like to kind of keep it very secret until the end, even for myself, because that's half the fun. We've only had we've been doing this for four or five years, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think we've been doing this for four or five years and we've only ever had to weigh in twice. And Mm -hmm. I think one time we actually like we had needed to weigh in or it would have been a dead tie. The other time Mm -hmm. we weighed in just in case and it ended up like we would have been all right if we hadn't, but it was close enough that we that we needed to. So <laughs> I feel like that time that we voted when we didn't need to, I was very concerned that we had like thrown off the whole thing. And well, they like, can't oh you God. can't see anybody's votes until the end. So uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, there was no aura off of us. Right, voting. right. Um, so I'm super excited. Some great selections, um, some books that have definitely been up a few times. Uh, always like to see some some return entrants and a lot of new ones, too, that are that are popular and hot. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the voting is going to go, if it's going to go for the, the classics that have been around for a minute or if it's going to edge more towards the new kind of new hotness picks. On the laser Time side. The uh, top seed is A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. That seems to have a lot of fans, although the one on the the sword side, uh, what am I I looking at? No, not that one. What am I trying to find? Oh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir is Mm -hmm. on the laser Mm -hmm. side. Uh, That one also seems to have uh, some supporters in our Discord. A lot of name recognition. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, We also have, uh, we have a nice wide variety there's like way station by clifford d simek so they're not all brand new mm-hmm. uh we've got axiom zen by Lindsay ellis uh carpet makers by andreas eschbach shades of gray by jasper ford uh way station oh i said way station clara and the sun by kazuo ishiguro and children of time by adrian tchaikovsky uh which yeah we have read the arthur c clark children <laughs> sci-fi book but not the adrian tchaikovsky one did you update the website with the march madness stuff too Oh, uh, yes. If you go to swordandlaser.com, click on March Madness, you'll get the current bracket. And actually, if you click through to Challenge, where I created the bracket, this year they let you make predictions. Uh, at some point, the predictions close. But yeah, you can you can try to like make your best guess of who's going to win the tournament. Wouldn't that be... F- I, that would be so fun to get to um, like bet. <laughs> to Dragon rights. That. Yeah. <laughs> do a pool. Uh, did you want to go through the fantasy stuff or did you want me to? Sure. Um, so for, oh, la, la, la. Wait, okay. So how does this work? So there is eight. So I'm looking at the- If you click on the Goodreads link in our rundown, that will take you to Rob's list, which will show them to you very easily. I see. Okay. I was looking at the, (laughs) at the website. Okay. Yeah. If you try to look at the bracket, it's harder. This is going to be hard because it has the, the titles of the books, but not the author's not if you um, do the Goodreads. If you do the Goodreads, it's just sword bracket, and then I can just read them if you want. No, it's got the it's got the titles of the books, but not the authors and the brackets. If you you're don't, looking at the um, poll, if you if yeah. you if you if you click on the Goodreads link in our rundown, it takes oh, you to the posting okay. that Rob made. You mean that, that thing has... that you said three times that I should do <laughs> that would give me the right outcome, and Possibly? I continued to not do that. Okay, yeah, got it. Okay, for the sword bracket. Uh, for the first matchup, we've got uh, Rivers of London uh, by Ben Aronovich and The Girl with All the Gifts, which was the wild card by M.R. Carey. Didn't we have M.R. Carey on the podcast once? I feel like we did. did we? Anyway, 
Um, match number two is Lord Fowl's Bane by Stephen R. Donaldson and The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. Match number three is Akata Witch by Nettie Okorafor versus The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. And match number four is A Master of Jin by P. DeJelly Clark uh, versus A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. I did not give you the matchups. You'll just have to go uh, find the poll yourself if you want the matchups. But uh, there you go. Those are those are the March Madness matchups. All right, we got more quick burns. Mark uh, wrote in to say that the LA Times Book Prize finalists have been announced and the finalists for the Ray Bradbury Prize for Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Speculative Fiction are The Dangers of Smoking in Bed, stories by Mariana Enriquez, The World Gives Way by Marissa Levine, Sorrowland by River Solomon, Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki, and Spirits Abroad by Zen Cho. And the winners of these will be announced April 22nd. Fantastic. Trike says that Vanity Fair has the first look at Amazon's Lord of the Rings. Now, I saw Scott Johnson, our friend, our pal, mm. um, saying something about this on Twitter the other day. It sounded like things don't look amazing. Oh, no. You mean someone released a highly anticipated property and people on the Internet are are upset about some (laughs) aspect of it? I'm shocked. But this is our friend, Scott Johnson. (laughs) No, I I didn't see what Scott said, but. I feel like he knows, like, I trust his judgment typically in some things. There was there was a trailer in the Super Bowl. I saw that. I watched that. You were watching on Peacock. uh, It didn't the the effects didn't look that great. But when I watched the trailer on my laptop directly from YouTube, it looked wonderful. So yeah. I think the trailer they ran on Peacock or and maybe on broadcast TV too uh, was like overly compressed or something because it did look mm. a little off to me during the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. But then when I watched it online, it looked fine. Okay, interesting. Um, I am. I'm excited. I'm still definitely going to watch it. Uh, there's been a lot of grumblings on TikTok about the costuming. What? Weirdly. Um, that like the costume, <laughs> like the costuming doesn't make sense. It's, or it looks bad. I don't know. I'm literally I'm... like talking about one TikTok I saw. I'm sorry. This is not good journalism. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> this is, this is a journalism. very instructive moment. This is a very instructive moment because this is what happens to all of us. We see one thing, one and place. it creates an opinion. And it just sticks in your head. And then you think that's what's reality, and it may not be. Maybe it is. It may not be. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Um, um, I'm excited I will watch about regardless. It. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm sort of done with people being angry about stuff. Like, there's a mm-hmm. higher bar to get me angry about things and get me upset about things. I'm, I'm really burnt out on that uh, after all these years. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Let me, l- let me see it. Let me make up my mind. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it looks lovely. I'm not going to get upset about it before I've watched it. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I like that they're exploring an area that hasn't been explored before mm-hmm. anywhere, really. It's not exactly the Silmarillion uh, because they don't have the rights to that, but it's a lot of the same eras that are covered in the Silmarillion. And, and I'm curious to see how they treat it. And some characters that we would recognize from Lord of the Rings. I, I don't know what's spoilerly. Younger yeah. versions. Yeah. So I was I don't about wanna, to say, but you're right. You're right. If, you, I, if, if you're not going to, if you haven't read the article and if you're not, you know, trying you to keep yourself pure. But 
there's obviously some long lived people in Middle Earth mm-hmm, and around, mm-hmm. and it's and it's nearby and it's the tri-state area. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but like yeah. you said, I will watch. I'm going. Of course, I'm yeah. going to watch. Are you kidding I'm me right now? Hmm. Trip Kristen says Mary Robinette Cowell uh, won the Skylark Award from the New England Science Fiction Association, Yay. an award given to people for significant contributions to science fiction. Congratulations. Well, I believe that is appropriate. Oh, so yeah, well are you done. kidding me? <laughs> oh my gosh. And such a such a not only an incredible author, but like a really wonderful person and such a such a leader of the community, mm-hmm. like such mm-hmm. a person who has been there through thick and thin to really guide the sci-fi fantasy community and, and be there to, you know, just, just, be awesome. just a, a good person that wants to help and does. And I'm not just saying that because she made sure that I got into Worldcon that one year. Yep. When my well, registration got messed up. Yeah. yeah that's, that's just, that's just, just example. one example of many, one example mm-hmm. of many. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark wrote that shooting for the HBO Max series House of Dragon has wrapped. House of the Dragon coming to HBO Max. That is the prequel to Game of Thrones uh, that is based on the book Fire and Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's all about the Targaryens and how they became the rulers of Westeros before the they poster were not sweet. They were no longer <laughs> rulers of Westeros. Uh, reporting. And it's got. Uh, it's Go got ahead. Matt Smith in it. It does. Um, reporting live um, from the, the experience is uh, our our man on the street, George R. R. Martin, who says <laughs> that he is was informed <laughs> that shooting has wrapped and that uh, he has seen a rough a few rough cuts of them mm. and he's loving them. Um, goes on to say, of course, a lot more work needs to be done. Special effects, color tuning, score, all yeah. the post-production work. Yeah, that's a good um, point. When production wraps, then you go mm-hmm. into post-production, which is all the effects and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, so very cool. Yeah. I'm I'm are you I know you just had this this <laughs> thing had that you a were diatribe saying about how I'm going to be positive about things. <laughs> you just yeah, had I'm a, wee, a wee diatribe. Um, <laughs> I am I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I I'm curious how they tell that part of the story, and I think it's smart to just jump away from all the uh, all the stuff of Song of Ice and Fire and, and give us something slightly different. Yeah, start fresh, new new team, new actors, the whole spiel. Lots of interesting story there still to be told. So I'm, new I'm excited. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> not that not that we're, you know, new showrunners. That wasn't be new shade. I just mean like the whole thing is is a is a new production. Totally. Uh, Mark also says, if this is in fact the same Mark, okay, this isn't news either, but it's a handy list of all 42 Philip K. Dick award winners and links to get a copy if you need to. A couple of these books are SNL picks uh, like Neuromancer and Altered Carbon. It's just uh, a list of 42 of the 42 Philip K. Dick winners. Yeah. It should be. How many be, have if it's we read? 42. It should be a list of Douglas Adams books, but. Oh, I got uh, it. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Yep, yep, yep. Did we read Rameznam? Or did we just interview Rameznam? I'm pretty sure we just interviewed him. <laughs> okay. okay. I recognize I'm that to see. one. So I have not read. The list goes. We read Neuromancer Software by Rudy Rucker, one. The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers, Neuromancer by William Gibson. We have read that one. Dinner at Deviant's Palace by Tim Powers. Wow, Tim Powers just killing it. You're going to read the, uh, all 42 of these? 
Homoculus by James P. Baylock, Strange <laughs> Toys by Patricia Geary, 400 Billion Stars by Paul McCauley, Wetware by F- Rudy Rucker. Jeez, these people are like winning all over the place. All right, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to read anymore because apparently Rudy Rucker and Tim Powers are just steamrolling the Philip K. Dick Awards for the first few in, years. In the 80s, they won, they each won two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing if there's any more that I read, but you can continue on while I scroll through this list. I won't actually read all of them. Ah, Richard K. Morgan, Altered Carbon. Yeah, I think that might be it. I'm, That's I'm the only two that you've read? That we read for uh, Sword and Laser. Okay. Yo, read, you were finding your own. Like, I was seeing if there's any others that I have actually read. That and you had it actually read. turns see, out that there are not. That actually went a lot faster than I expected it to. The, the scroll. The scroll. The scroll, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christy H said, this will be awesome if it eventuates. Mm. $5 mm. words Good there. Word. Christy yeah. H. Uh, Christy H says, a Rift War cycle series is once again in development. A new horror focused company, Six Studios, sci fi and horror focused company, Six Studios, has picked up the rights to the first six Rift War books, meaning Feist's solo Rift War saga and the Empire trilogy. Uh, those are the ones he co-wrote with uh, Janie Wirtz. Uh, are uh, they're attempting to develop them into TV shows? So here we go again. Maybe this time. And in a little bit of vampire news, Account Zero War, who I feel like maybe as Account has like a special affinity, perhaps mm-hmm. for vampire-related uh-huh, content. Yeah. Says so. In addition to the graphic audio adaptation of the first Vampire Hunter D novel, Audible has a more conventional audiobook of Vampire Hunter D alongside it, and they'll be doing a similar approach for the second book, Razor of Gales. No release date for book three, Demon Death Chase, adapted to the screen as Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, as yet. Yeah, horror, 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 horror book, horror, horror. yeah, horror, horror, mm-hmm. horror, horror. Two horror. Three R's, really, when you think about it. Well uh, rated. Yeah. And uh, there are also two R's in count zero or. Uh, coincidence? I think not. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for everybody who submitted to our Quick Burns thread. You can do so by either posting over on Goodreads or posting over on our channel on Discord. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And thank you to Doug. If you have noticed that maybe I sound a little bit better in this episode, it's all thanks to Doug. He says, hi there. Love, love, love your show for years. Thank you. Uh, Met million years ago. Anywho, I have been working at Logi and Blue for quite a few years. And uh, that's Logitech probably, I would imagine. And wanted to drop some quick tips. New Blue microphone is side address, not top address. So if you speak into the front versus the top, it will sound way better. It is a confusing shape and everyone does it. Also, if you download the G-Hub software, I know it can be a tiny pain to download and install extra software, but you can use all kinds of great live filters with it, like a gate, EQ, compressor, etc. Also, if you have an NVIDIA video card, it will give even more features for you, like room echo noise or AI noise suppression. Thank you for all the great videos and book recommendations. You keep me reading and audiobooking. Doug, um, thank you. So I did all those things. I already actually had the G-Hub software for my Logitech keyboard um, that I'm actually no longer using because I switched over to the, uh, the, the Apple keyboard and mouse. 
but I still had it installed and it worked like a charm with the Logitech, uh, with the blue mic. I didn't know, does Logitech own blue now? Is that a thing? I didn't know that. I, f- I feel like I would have known that years ago. So maybe Tom can look that up while I continue on. Um, but thank you. Yeah, I w- Tom and I were laughing about this before the show because I used to have the same microphone that Tom has, which is the Heil PR40, and it's a top address. And so as soon as I unpacked this microphone, I set it up the same exact way and was very confused as to why it sounded like garbage. And now we know. So that In makes July, perfect 2018, sense. Logitech mm. announced plans to acquire Blue. Okay, then that makes perfect sense. Um, so thank you for that, Doug. I super appreciate that. That was extremely helpful. And uh, yeah, good call. <laughs> He's like, wait a second, I can help. Ah, that was so nice of Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Perez over on Twitter points us to a TikTok video made by author Samantha Shannon, who wrote The Priory of the Orange Tree, which Veronica loved, mm-hmm. where she says that she just finished her next novel set in the same world, and it's even longer. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. That was, um, that was one of my maternity leave reads. Oh, was it? Yeah. And I was, I had just heard so many great things about the book and I was blown away by how incredible it was. And it felt like a standalone novel. Like it, it finished it. There was no like cliffhanger. It felt very complete. Um, but it was such a rich world and such a rich kind of atmosphere that I'm super excited that, we can continue on in that world. And um, yeah. Oh, and apparently Terp Kristen nominated Priory of the Orange Tree to the uh, to the March Madness. It seems like it didn't make it in, unfortunately. But not this year. Priory of the Orange Tree was the number three seed last year. Uh, mm-hmm. It made it out of the first round, but was defeated by the eventual winner, the house in oh. the Cerulean Sea. Both excellent. Both excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. do have to say, though, it is a very long book. And if this sequel is even longer, maybe not like a great March Madness fit. You know, I think we like to, we don't read like super heavy books super often. That's why Pandora Star, of course, is something we've given a lot of notice for. I would love to see them side by side and and see which one is is longer. Curious. I'm really glad we gave uh, advance notice on Pandora Star because oh I gosh. still haven't finished it. And I've been reading it since November. I haven't finished it yet. That makes me feel better. Yeah. All right. And I know this last one is not really a barrier sword, um, but I just, I need Tom to address some things because um, Mm. I've noticed on Twitter recently that Tom has become different internet famous um, from his normal internet famous. More. (laughs) More. I I dare I say more internet Mm. famous uh, in a different, a a totally new cohort of uh, followers. And so I I want you to address why you're uh, famous on K-pop Twitter. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know how famous I am there. You have YouTube Uh, videos made about you. But the the short version is, <laughs> yes, there is a YouTube video made by someone in Thailand that includes uh-huh. me. I don't know what it says. If we have any Thai speakers who'd like to help me understand, that'd be great. That would be um, helpful. Uh, but it has my face in it. Uh, yeah. So first of all, to understand any of this, you have to know that my wife, Eileen, loves K-pop, loves K-drama, has gotten me very interested in it. We genuinely 
like it. Uh, Veronica can attest that for years we have been oh, watching it. We've so made long. her watch yeah. it. I got hooked uh, too. Every time I yeah. go over there, they get me on a new show and we sit there and watch <laughs> it. It's amazing. So uh, there was a, a show came out on Disney Plus called Snowdrop that had just finished airing in Korea and it came over to to Disney Plus. So we started watching it. And I, I don't know, maybe five or six episodes in, four or five episodes in, uh, I just tweeted Snowdrop on Disney Plus is a very good show because I was really enjoying it. <laughs> I've done this before where I just say like, you mm -hmm. know, such and such on Vicky is a very good show. Uh, this one, for some reason, maybe because the show stars Jisoo from Blackpink, a K-pop band. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, This one got retweeted by somebody who followed me who was also in like the Blackpink snowdrop fandom Twitter. Uh, and then someone else picked it up and then it, it ran away from there. And so I've been tweeting about watching Snowdrop and there's, you know, 10,000 people who like the tweets about them and are worried about me because it has some very sad parts and they they Aww. wanted to make sure that I got through it all the way. It was very sweet. Uh, and I did enjoy it. Uh, and I tweeted all about it. You can, you can find that on my Twitter. Uh, but there was also during after that started during the Super Bowl, I noticed uh, Chris Collinsworth, the color guy, said something about that, like everything they needed being on the ground. And I was like, oh, that's like totally a line from Rosé, uh, Rosie, one of the Blackpink members solo songs. And then I thought about it. Uh, there were like three other quotes where I'm like, well, that's actually you know, it's something they always say in football, mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. actually also in a Blackpink song. So I, as a joke, I wrote like these four quotes and then like, man, they keep quoting Blackpink in the Super Bowl commentary. <laughs> and that took off as well. So, oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. I, this actually makes me feel really good because I have a really hard time tweeting about things that I feel like aren't in my traditional wheelhouse because I'm worried about kind of like turning people off or making people unfollow me or whatever. Mm. I don't even like, I don't even have like a specific thing I tweet about these days because I just don't use social media that much. Um, but it gave me hope that I could like tweet about whatever, some new passion that I have and maybe find a different audience or people would just be accepting of it. Do you feel like you got any like blowback for that? Or like, did anyone be like, why are you tweeting about K-pop no, dramas no. or I have, I I've been very careful to be genuine. I think that's mm -hmm. always the key. Like the temptation is to like play to the audience. Right. right and right. it's like, make stuff up and say things you don't mean because it'll be popular. And so I, I've tried to be very careful to, to only say things that I actually mean and actually know about. Um, and, and yeah, so far it's, it's all been very like, supportive and welcoming and and wonderful. So yeah, at least in this case, it's been fine. Just don't anger them. And you know I what also, happens when um, you anger the K-pop fans. <laughs> it goes very bad. Well, then you probably deserved it. That's what that's probably true. No, um yeah, I I think really it's all about being genuine, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and and so I, I wrote up in my newsletter on Friday, uh kind of my explanation of like, this is what happened. This is what I, what I mean. So if you go to freetownnewsletter.com, you can read that, uh, from last Friday as well. Awesome. So sorry. I know that was off our normal sword and laser topic, but I, I just, I wanted to address it because I was so fascinated. In case fascinated. I leave sword and laser, you wanted to make sure that people understood why. Well, like, I was telling Tom, <laughs> he needs to start a podcast with Eileen about this stuff. And I think it would be huge. I know. So. Eileen does it. She's like kind of busy. So I know that's true. And so are you, and like, you're not, um, but yeah, you guys are, are both busy folks. 
All right. Well, let's jump into the book of the month discussion. I mean, we're finally kicking off officially Pandora Star, and then we're going to do a quick wrap up of The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nevo, um, which will be spoilery. Um, so let's start with the kickoff of Pandora Star, which we've all been reading for 16 years, and um, <laughs> then jump into the kickoff. I mean, the wrap up. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Pandora's Star, very interestingly, uh, is part of a series that only has two books in it. Uh, That was something I didn't realize until we started reading it. Uh, It is Pandora's Star and Judas Unchained. Uh, Pandora's Star came out in 2004, Judas Unchanged in in 2005. That is the Commonwealth Saga. Those are not the only books in the universe, though. Uh, Misspent Youth, published in 2002, was actually the first one in the universe. That takes place 340 years before Pandora's Star. And then there's the Void Trilogy, which was published between 2008 and 2010, which takes place uh, a few hundred years after the events of Judas Unchained. And then there's a couple other uh, writings, The Abyss Beyond Dreams and Night Without Stars, that are kind of closer to the Void trilogy than they are to the Commonwealth Saga, but one's before and one's after uh, those. Okay. So Wait, if so you like Pandora's Star, there's going to be lots more lot. in the universe, but it's not all going to be... Only Judas Unchained is a direct sequel to Pandora's Star. So when you said there was another book that happens 400 years before, is that it's chronologically earlier, but is it, was it written before? It, it was Pandora actually Star? written two, two years. It was not written 340 years before. Right? It was written two no, years I mean, before. It takes place. Sorry. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, okay. So, it so takes essentially place what it sounds like happened is that Misspent Youth, was publi- Misspent Youth was published in 2002 Mm-hmm. And then two years later, Hamilton published Pandora's Star, oh, okay. which is set 340 years after Misspent Youth. So it was written both earlier two years later. and it takes place chronologically earlier than Pandora's Misspent Star. Misspent Youth. Yes. Correct. Okay. Okay. And, and some of the there's... same characters appear because obviously like maybe... I don't know if that's a spoiler. Uh, There's definitely a lot of technology in Pandora's Star that can help people live longer than we live now. I have finished this book now so long ago. (laughs) I feel like I'm on my, I have relifed a couple times um, since I finished it. Um. But okay. And Tamahome says some Pandora star characters do appear in the Void trilogy. The Void trilogy Mm -hmm. takes place after, several hundred years after Pandora star. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, But yeah, Pandora star, the premise, the the book jacket copy uh, is that uh, a star winks out of existence uh, in a way that that wouldn't be naturally caused. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the Commonwealth, which is uh, Earth-based, but but multi-planet organization uh, decides to investigate and and send a spaceship to see what's up with that. Yep, that is such a brief that- explanation <laughs> of a very long book that includes so what, many other things. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is as Tomahome says. It is epic, uh, and I will go on to further elaborate. It is epic in the extreme. There mm-hmm. are so many threads. So much going and the on. Only, the only bad part about it, uh, as I understand it, mm-hmm. uh, if you finish Pandora Star and you liked it, you're going to want to read Judas Unchained, which is also very long and epic. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get started because um, I have, I don't know if I can finish it in a month, but I feel like I'm also reading uh, how, like, how to not raise an asshole, I think mm. is the name of the book. Um, something is along those lines. Or nonfiction? It's nonfiction. It's like oh, literally okay. how not to raise a child who is yeah, going to okay, turn gotcha. into an asshole. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to read that in my off off time. Between mm-hmm, books, mm-hmm. Um, but I also do to f- really want to read this. I almost don't want to say it this way. I I am very close to finishing finishing Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee. I'm oh. enjoying it very much. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to it more, but I have to read Pandora Star, which Is I'm this- also enjoying. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but yeah, I've uh, Jade Legacy came out in November, end of it's November. It's out. It's out. Yeah, out. Yeah. It's not an arc. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, oh, no, it I came wanna, out. It came out at the ooh, end of November. I want to read that too. There's some. I'm also reading like a new Alexi Harrow book that's an arc right now. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Not not one of the not not part of the series. Um, a separate book, but that's the only it's too way much you good read stuff. Alexi Harrow, isn't it? As as like arcs that come out early. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, pretty much. So I can rub it in your face. <laughs> Whatever you get, stuff I don't get. I just I pay attention more to neck alley than you do. I think that's the difference. I, I, you have to, you get yeah, the physical I books I don't really and I pay attention to neck alley. Yeah. 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 That's right. And Anywho, we don't get physical books as much anymore. So well, I specifically asked to, to no longer receive the books yeah. because no, I had no me, more place to put them. Mm-hmm. There's a human child living in the place. I used to store all the books. And that, that dried them up on this end too. So, Hey, uh, maybe we could start doing something else for Lem's library then. Like what? Like just buying books, picking books. I don't know. I wish there was a way we could automate that. Yeah. You know, like to select a book and have it automatically go out to people who are. I wonder if we could partner with a bookstore and be like, we'll pay for you to send books to these people. Hmm. Thoughts, thoughts to have, thoughts to think. All right. So Mark asks, we'll what that. books am I reading to my son? And um, I am the typical woke San Franciscan parent. I am am reading the most woke children's books like Anti-Racist Baby and Conversation, like the Conversation series, which is like conversations on color, conversations on consent, conversations on, oh, what's the other one? That's really good. Um, all sorts of stuff like that. The Conversation series is super great. Yeah, but no sci-fi fantasy yet, really. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could kind of like cross over, <laughs> like no, fantastical so no elements. children's books? They're all children's books. Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't clear on that. Oh, I'm they didn't sorry. Yeah, they're all like board books. Children. They're all like, like he can like okay. chew all on right. them right. and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what about like Curious George? Or- we have the <laughs> whole series of Curious George. Okay. Okay. He's okay. just okay. too young. If there's not like flashy colors and things right, on right. each he's page. He's still board book young. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. yeah. Right. He's not ready for the good stuff. Um, although there is still some good stuff. Okay. Sorry. I digress. Uh, should we wrap up this man? This Sauvignon Blanc is hitting me. I went for a second, uh, second <laughs> glass while you were doing the, uh, the kickoff. So, Whew. all right, let's wrap up the Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nevo. Um, Which means that we need to give the spoiler alert. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. <laughs> exactly as God intended. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to read the plot. Uh, Cleric, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't listen to the audiobook, so I may Would be, you like um, me to read it? Yes, please. Can you read the plot? 
Yeah, sure. This is from Wikipedia. Uh, mm-hmm. Clark G. of the Singing Hills Monastery visits an abandoned palace called Thriving Fortune after the death of the Empress. They are accompanied by a talking hoopo named Almost Brilliant. They meet Rabbit, an elderly woman who was once the Empress's servant. She tells Chi about Empress Inyo's life as they catalog the contents of the palace. Inyo is a northern princess married to the Emperor of Pines and Steel for diplomatic purposes. Uh, the Emperor has her sterilized and banished. Inyo secretly communicates with her kin in the north, hoping for revenge. She stages a pilgrimage, an excuse for leaving her exile and thriving fortune. Her caravan of pilgrims is infiltrated by northern warriors, allowing her to escape empire custody. Inyo's servant, Sukai, Rabbit's lover, is executed. Rabbit gives birth to Sukai's da- daughter. Inyo presents the daughter as her own. She leads an army to the capital. The emperor is killed, and Inyo takes the throne. She has recently passed away and has been succeeded by Rabbit's daughter. Rabbit disappears, and she leaves Thriving Fortune to attend the coronation of the new empress. Nice and tidy, nice and tidy. Uh, approximately yeah. the length of the novella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the opposite of Pandora's star, the empress of Salt and Fortune. In length, so what did you, in length. What did you think of the book? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm kind of glad we talked about all the, the K-pop and K-drama stuff earlier because we watch a lot of Chinese wuxia uh, and a lot of yes. Chinese period pieces as mm-hmm. well. And that really informed my reading of this because those themes of uh, uh, an empress being you know one of many wives uh being exiled uh being married simply uh for for politics and 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 just kept in a room uh those are all treated in a lot of the shows that I've watched so right, that, right. that all felt very familiar and and I enjoyed like okay but what so so what's coming what's going to happen like the, the story is not the fact that she got exiled that's never the story like what's in you going to do and I was very excited uh if anything only sad that it came so close to the end that that we see Inyo's plans unveil. But I Come love to the way yeah. they were wo- woven through so that you didn't even know they were there until they came to fruition. And you're like, oh, that's what the fortune telling was. That's what that exactly. was for. That's what, yeah, it's so good. I knew the fortune telling was some kind of secret message. Me too. I was like, it's thing. something, yeah. but yeah, right. yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, it was sad. I mean, it was, it was definitely, it was beautifully told. Very sad. Um, I, I felt especially sad about Sukai uh, Rabbit's lover um, and that situation and how she had to basically just hand over her daughter to the Empress as a, as, you know, almost as tribute uh, to become the new Empress. And then, wait, how did they play that? Like, did she... How did, oh, she said she had been, she, it was almost like a virgin birth. Like she said it was right. Like, cause she hadn't been around the emperor to, to become impregnated. I mean, in right? some ways it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because for the populace, she's the empress. He's the emperor. She has a baby. It's the emperor's. Mm-hmm. Any other suggestion would be treason. So yeah. STF. Yeah. All right. Fair uh, enough. As far as the court goes, the fact that she has all her northern warriors is all she has to do to be like, yeah, my baby. How is it my baby? Because of matter. all these warriors. Oh, because you have all the war. Yes. Because your of baby. the warriors. Totally your baby. That's kind of how I felt about it myself. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the, the death of Sukai, the having to pass along her daughter, Frankly, the death of the emperor in waiting 
her her son, her actual son with the emperor mm-hmm. um, yeah. was sad to me because um, he, you know, essentially was innocent, but had to be removed in order to to uh, to put Inyo in power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, family drama. Yeah. man. No, no kidding, fun. right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Can you relate? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, my my upbringing was very similar. Very similar. In many, yeah. In many ways. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's got so much fun imagery to it. Uh, I like the the device of telling through inventory. Uh, in fact, that would be one way I would say the audiobook is inferior to reading. Uh, Actually, save you just that. Get the inv- save that. Save this because I have a we have a thread about that, so I want to make okay, sure. Okay, but we, we I would cover. Ju- I would just say yeah. I would just say that that was a cool device that probably plays better in print than audio. Totally. Yeah, it was a little bit. Did you listen to the audiobook or did you read it? I did the audiobook. Yes. Okay. Yeah, as did I, and it was the same. Oh, I talked about this in the last episode. It was the same narrator of our last book. Yeah, yeah. Um, light from common stars. So that was like, I was like, wait a second. Here and she also, is again. Pandora star is the same narrator as the other space drama that we re- other like noir ish space drama that we also recently read as she goes to Wikia to look at the, the prefect. Thank you, Tamahome. <laughs> I don't even need the internet when Tomahome is in the audience. Thank you. Yes. The prefix, same, same audiobook narrator there as well. So I think that's kind of funny that we've had these like back to back matching narrators, um, as we go on. So we've got a double header here from Eric, who was a big fan of this novella, which is super cool. Um, but he made a thread called awesome pick full spoilers within, and I wanted to, uh, read some of his thoughts So he says, jumping back in with SNL for the first time in a year, I've been listening to the podcast, but this is the first time in at least a year that I've read along and helped that it was a nice short novella. I think it's a great pick. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into with the book. I had a copy from being a voting member of Worldcon last year, and I didn't go back to Goodreads to read what it was about. It unfolded in such a great way. First, we're introduced to the cleric, and it seems like maybe it's going to be a ghost story or something scary like that. And then we meet Rabbit and learn about the cleric's job of documenting everything unknown about the empress that the book is named after. I think it was also neat that the book isn't really about the empress, even though the novella is named after her. Hmm, interesting. He goes on to say that the story unfolds and we see through various twists and turns how the Empress and Rabbit make the most of their exile. And I loved Rabbit's struggle about how much to tell the cleric, even though it could topple everything that she and the Empress worked for. Everything about it tickled me. I loved the framing story of the cleric being told a story while also documenting all the objects found in the house. I loved the small details that filled in just enough of the world that it left me hungry for more. And it's all in a tiny package. I started just a few days ago reading a chapter or two at lunchtime and I finished today. So great. What does everyone else think? I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like this description of it. I almost, that's why I'm so silent. I have nothing to add. Uh, Eric summed mm-hmm. it up per- perfectly. Uh, and, and yeah, what it, is this the one that you were saying was about the inventory or is there yeah, another one? Yeah. He did mention yeah. the inventory there. Yeah. To yeah. kick off that discussion. I, I loved that too. And I, and I feel like I really wanted to see it 
every mm-hmm. time he started, mm-hmm. they started reading it off. It just felt like a list in audio. Uh, but I would get it and I would be like, oh yeah, no, this is the, this is the inventory list. And, and I'd have to rewind. That was one of the few times I'd have oh, to rewind and be like, no, I want to pay attention to what's in the list. And if I'd been reading it, I just would have scanned it and be like, okay, what's significant about these items to, to the story oh, so far? Yeah. That's like opposite of me. I felt like with the audiobook, I just listened to it one time and kind of moved on from it. And I feel like with if I had been reading the book, I would have looked at it a lot longer or kind of well, sat that, with yeah, it a little I, bit. I think we're agreeing, which is with mm-hmm. the audiobook, it just kind of goes past and yeah, you have yeah. to make an effort if you want to get more right. out of it. Uh, whereas when you're reading, it's easy to just kind of like ponder it a little bit. And then Gregory and Eric also had some uh, a collection of great quotes that I thought would be fun to read. Um, so Gregory points out his favorite quote, which is, Honor is a light that brings trouble. Shadows are safer by far. Hmm. Mm. And then Gregory has another one. Those who bear children hold the keys to life and death and their ill wishes are to be feared. That's right. Fear me. Yeah, I feel that way about Veronica, so. Fear me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, honestly, like that kind of stuff, I kind of hate it, like. Like, I kind of hate the whole concept that, like, people are special for having children or have, like, a better mm. understanding or different understanding of the world. Maybe different, different. understanding. Different, different is for fair. Sure. Yeah. Different I is think fair. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, different perspective, I guess. And then uh, another one that Eric liked was the wild artist puts a special, put a special emphasis on the word free. The water and flower districts where every sensual pleasure commands a price and nothing is more embarrassing than getting a kiss for free as if it were charity. That one really does sum up a place so efficiently where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, know exactly what this means. Totally, yeah. totally. Um, actually, I want to click on, I feel like I captured some quotes from this book myself. I'm trying to see if I can find them on Goodreads or not. If I saved them. I don't know. Well, while you do that, let me, uh, let me read Eric's other post, uh, which is uh, other sci-fi and fantasy stories with similar jobs. Uh, Early on, we learned that our protagonist's job is to record true history. Their monastery contains information that could topple many dynasties. This made me think of Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn series. In the original trilogy, the terrorists have taken it upon themselves to become experts on all knowledge. Each member of the ethnic group has a particular subject they study. Via part of the magic system in that book, they're able to store all they recall with near-perfect fidelity. This made me think, what are some other science fiction and fantasy stories in which a major or minor character has the job of recording all of history and or knowledge? Mm. Uh, Jackie pointed out Fudoki by Keyes Johnson has a noblewoman paring down her belongings before moving to a monastery. And her attention to physical artifacts reminded her of this book. Katie mentions The Deep, uh, where only one person holds the memories of a whole culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seth points out Seven Eves. There's that sect in Seven Eves of post-apocalypse humans Mm -hmm. that have a group of people assigned to sections of the encyclopedia. Um, Fahrenheit 451 came to Isaac's mind uh, as almost a counterexample, I think. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I, I think... What Empress of Salt and Fortune is alluding to is a very common practice in multiple cultures of controlling literacy, because if you can write stuff down, Mm -hmm. it can be used against you. Right, Uh, right. Which is why 
religions and monasteries in many, many places of the world were were put in charge of of writing because they could keep a secret, basically. And you and didn't want the populace to write to those or, are the or first learn places to read or anything. That yeah. become destroyed during a, a power change or a power struggle mm-hmm. because they're the holders of the history. Yeah. You you uh, you, if you rule by ignorance, uh, you got to keep the knowledge down. So I, that's a real part of human history that I think informs a lot of these stories. It's a really good point. So overall for me, beautiful story, beautiful book, short, short and sweet, really packed a lot, packed a lot in there. I feel like I want to read more novellas after it actually, like it made me excited to kind of dig more into that space where you get to just really like, it's like a, bite of an apple you know you just get like this like taste of something and a, you know there's more it's a peach blossom that's very that's very romantic mm-hmm. you gonna write about that for your beautiful on but your fleeting. twitter <laughs> no i'm not gonna write about that on my twitter. <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much for listening uh we have kicked off pandora star that is going to be our march read Ooh, at the same time we are doing that hmm? off my toe hurts from kicking it off. <laughs> my God. Cause it's so heavy. Yeah, exactly. Huge <laughs> monolith. Um, so we are kicking off Pandora star. And of course we are in the middle. We have started March madness. So start voting. The first voting Get brackets are votes. up. If you want to have a, some power, if you feel like Veronica and Tom have too much power in this picking process and you want to rest back control, now is your chance. Of course, we so can override tr- all of you if we want to. We're not going to do that. We could. We could. We could. We you're won't. saying the tournament is our monastery. Is that what you're saying? That's good. We could totally just rewrite history and say voting. <laughs> Since when is this a democracy? This is not a democracy. March, you must be mad. Exactly. That's what it means. Um, but our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Um, at the end of the day, you hold the power, you hold the true power, and you can help fund us over at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget you can support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Shoot us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.